Before we begin, the Uluru Statement from the Heart calls for, among other things, truth-telling. In the spirit of this, Charlotte and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. We live, dance and podcast from Wujak Noongar Budja in the Naitahu Takiwa and we're joined today from Atakapa tribe as well. I would love to encourage you to go out and learn about the country you are on. Strap yourself in, folks. It's time to untangle the mess around. Your regular podcast with hope, Charlotte, and Jeff Rowe. Welcome to Untangling the Mess Arounds. I'm Charlotte. And I am Jethro. And this is definitely the first time we've recorded this. <laughs> we are launching this new version of Untangling the Mess Arounds. This is our first episode and we're very excited about it because we have an amazing guest with us today. If you are keen for all of the other stuff that we usually talk about in this podcast, so all of the stuff happening with Swingsing and you know things happening around Perth you need to go check out our Swing Waffle podcast because that is where all that information is at right now but in untangling we've decided to keep it a bit more a bit more focused uh, which is quite a, a stretch for us because that's just not how we roll but a little bit more focused on specific talking points and today's talking point is the future of swing dancing events and who better to discuss that with than like I said Tina Morales Tina Morales Armstrong who is the co-founder of the International Lindy Hop Championships, amongst many other things, which she will explain to you once we get into this interview. All right. Let's, um, yeah, let's just go straight to the interview. Enjoy. We have a super special guest with us today. Um, we're very, very excited. And Jethro was somewhat mortified when I told him that I'd sent an email. <laughs> Um, we got an email from ILHC a few weeks ago because we participated in the virtual uh, events last year and we got an email saying, hey, you know, we'd love for you to come and be join us in person, etc, etc. Um, would love to hear from you, Tina. And I was like, cool. In WA, can't really go anywhere right now. Um, but how would you like to be on a podcast? Um, so we were we are extremely lucky to be here with Tina Morales Armstrong who is one of the organizers of ILHC, the International Lindy Hop Championships. Hi, Tina. Hi, how are you all? Very, very good. Um, yeah, doing good. <laughs> I mean, you know, a bit, um, getting a bit of cabin fever in WA, but aside from that, doing all good. <laughs> Just a little bit nervous talking to someone of your caliber, like with our little podcast. So, um, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> no, don't think of that at all. It's, and it's I'm in Texas, so we're, sort of a different situation here in the u.s it's very wide open in our state uh so yeah yeah um well tina why don't you start off by telling us um a little bit about um who you are and um your relationship to the ilhc and and all that jazz so to speak all right well um yeah again tina morales armstrong i've been lindy hopping probably close to 24, 25 years now, something like that. I, I mean, after 20 years, it kind of gets, starts to be a blur, but um, <laughs> I, I started off dancing and then competing and then went to being a judge at the behest of Sylvia Sykes and the late Jack Carey. And, um, and then from then I went on to um, 
running a lot of events. <laughs> Lindy Fest uh, in Houston, ILHC, of course, in Washington, D.C., International Swing Dance Championships in Houston. I also was one of the organizers for Frankie 95. I ran a I Lindy Hop troop in, in Houston. Oh, you did? Yeah. Was- I did. Yeah, it was one of my, my first big, uh, I went from like, uh, learning how to dance here in in Perth, WA, and um, never having been to you know this few small local events, and then I went to Frankie. Uh, oh no, not no. I went to Frankie when I went to Frankie one hundred. I tell lies. Oh, you went to one hundred. Okay, I went to one hundred. I tell all of these lies. Please do continue. <laughs> yeah, and so that's yeah, just been doing that for a long time. <laughs> so. Now I, sh- I do actually want to point out that when I was doing some research about you, Tina. It sounds like you have, like, yes, all these amazing things, but you've missed out a whole bunch as well because you were, what, you won a whole bunch of competitions as well? I saw videos of you at the American yeah. Swing Dance Championships. Yeah. You smash oh, it. Oh, Lord, oh, no. amazing dancer. <laughs> I, 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 I cringe when I think about that. <laughs> I literally, when I, you know, back then, everyone, you know, you had to wait for the the VHS tape to come out. And when it came out um, at that time, American Lindy Hop Championships, it was run um, by Paulette Brockington. And and when I saw the tape, I just absolutely cringed. And I called her and I and asked her how many people she sent it to. And I literally wanted to know, how are we going to get them back? Because we got to get them back. And, oh, no. and I was 100% serious. I, I, my mind just went to another place. And all I can think of, we've got to get these back from people. So oh. <laughs> That's crazy because it was it's amazing. Oh. You absolutely sh- just smashed the dance floor. And I mean, you were a dancer before you found Lindy yes, as well, yes, didn't you? Yes, I did a lot of um, hip hop. My sister had an aerobic studio, so um, and I taught hip hop classes in her aerobic studio. And I've been dancing since um, you know I came out the womb dancing. So. <laughs> well, it, it, it certainly shows. It was awesome. Oh no! Oh, I don't know. I'm starting to sweat. No, let's not talk about that. Okay. 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 We can move on. We can move well, on. Before, before we do, um, we usually start, like to start off with a bit of good news of the week. Do you have any good news of the week that you would like to share? Um, my good news of the week was that um, the hotel with ILHC, we kind of came to an agreement with something. And so hopefully that a couple of things are going to work out there. A little contentious with, you know, COVID and a lot of... Uh, negotiations I, I will say so yeah oh, yep know that feeling although not to your scale but yep know that yeah. feeling <laughs> hopefully um, we worked some things out <laughs> fingers crossed yeah, yeah. So what's my your good news. news of the week jet my good news of the week oh okay i did not prefer, prepare for this at all we never do um <laughs> last night uh was our first night out for dinner with a group of people we've been in lockdown in in new zealand for the last three or four weeks and so last night it was kind of like safe enough to go out and actually hang out with a group of, I think there was about six of us at a restaurant, all separate, all wearing masks until we're eating. But we actually got to, got to go out and have dinner together. So that was nice. Yay! Awesome. awesome. How about you, Shell? What's your good news of the week? Uh, my good news of the week is that I'm on leave. So oh. I've been on leave since Monday and I have been able to sleep in since Monday. I haven't because my body is a jerk and wakes me up at 6 a.m um but i i have been technically allowed to sleep in that has been quite lovely and today i'm heading down to margaret river for boogie down south so which is a swing dancing uh, little event that we have down um down in margaret river so that's very exciting i'm excited jen do you want to take off um with the the next question 
Yeah, I certainly can. So, Tina, when we were just talking before about all those old events that you used to go to, mm-hmm. um, I just want to get a sense of what it was like um, dancing at events in those earlier days, because obviously if we're with this podcast, we're focusing on what's the future of the events, what's the future of swing dancing events going to be like. So it's a nice idea to know where we've came from and what's already changed, how much change has there already been, mm. um, just to you know give us some context. So yeah, what were events like? Uh, well, I think the probably the biggest difference back then was, so of course we didn't have the internet, so yeah. it was very um, you know, uh, information was was priceless. So whether it was a clip or whether it was, you know, a, a flyer or something about an event, all those things were very priceless. So, and there weren't very many of them. So any of the larger events, so everybody danced locally, of course. And, but any of the larger events, it's like everybody came together at a particular event. And, and it wasn't like there were, you know, 30 or 40 choices, you probably had maybe five big events in all of the U.S. at, at that point. Right. And it, I, maybe not even five, you know, and everybody went to, you went to those, like it was like, you know, you had to do it, especially if, if you were passionate about Lindy Hop, you were there and you would see the same people every single time you went and you developed, you know, of course, and, and I think that still happens, you develop lifelong friendships, I think the events themselves, mostly the biggest difference in the event is that most of them were um, DJed events. Okay. Very rarely did you have um, bands, big bands. So that was, you know, so it was like back then the, the DJs were sort of more the stars. And so you had to get a certain DJ, you know. Right. So and do, you, do you know why that is, Tina? Do you know if it's because there just maybe weren't as many of those those types of bands still around or was it a financial thing? Do you do you know? I, I don't know. I, I think that's just the, the way it started. And maybe not that many people were playing that kind of music or were yeah, exactly. exposed to, you know, really exposed to the dancers. So I, I started mm. Lindy Hopping in Washington, D.C., and there were a couple of bands around there and they they would have a maybe once a month they would have a band but when you mm-hmm. went to the big events like American Swing Dance Championships um there there might be one or two but, but it just wasn't that popular it was more popular okay. listening and and more people liked dancing and actually it was almost preferred which is really interesting because they wanted to dance to the music of the day and to those particular recordings you know, That's so so interesting. Yeah, yeah. So um, very, very that, that different. Ties in, yeah, that ties in really nicely with our last episode where Jet and I had a debate about which is better, bands or DJs. <laughs> oh, I would love to know the how that that debate. I I probably be. I wish that it was kind of half and half. I kind of like the older days, but I like hearing really good bands too. So it and and that did that is what kind of I think really significantly increased the cost of the events when it was mm. required because then it, it kind of phased to where people would have one band you know and then yeah. it got yeah. to where you'd had to have two or three bands you know especially for the large events and yes. and and so now it's quite expensive to do which of course raised yeah. the price of the um of the event so it looks quite a bit different than it did in the in the past in my past i should say <laughs> maybe Maybe closer <laughs> to the past or the 20s, I guess. I was just, uh, is there a, a bit of a sense of nostalgia? Do you, do you miss it? I, I do. I do. Yeah. There was, I think there was 
more a sense of togetherness and mm. and everybody kind of being on um being on one accord there was definitely i do see a difference between lindy hop in the early 90s and early 2000s and now there was more of a connection to the history i felt back then than there is now that's really interesting that you say that because obviously especially in the last few years there's been quite a, a an important movement and a, a push to recognize the history and to recognize um not just individuals but the history um as a whole so i think it's really interesting that you're saying that you you felt it was more connected back then than it yeah it 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 was something that i i felt on a grassroots level that okay everybody wanted it was like so that knowledge and that desire for knowledge like if you got a vhs tape that was like gold and you would sit around and you call all your friends and everybody would sit around and and watch that or they would try to find out who that dancer is and things like that that doesn't necessarily happen now it's more to yeah. me it seems like there are people that are wanting that to happen and and that's kind of put forth but it's not like i don't feel like it's just it was it felt a little bit more organic than as now it feels mm. a little more force just just me i mean the closest thing i can think of that feels like that for me is that during over the years i'd have friends come around to my place and would watch ILHC live mm. and obviously that's not like old done dancers but it's the modern dancers performing at your event yes but it still had that kind of community feeling and you're right like it's not connected to the history so much it's connected to the now and what's what's new and in fashion yes. in the Lindy Hop community yes and that's that's very much different about yeah what's what's new and what's now and and i i get it yeah. i get it on a lot of levels but um yeah so some of the things i do try to make sure that connection remains yeah so you've actually um part of what the Lindy Hop Hall, no, is it the hall of no the museum? Yes, yes. So that's that's part of it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of um kind of trying to maintain that connection. So there there are things that myself and and Sylvia uh especially have made promises to our elders, many of whom are already passed on, that certain mm -hmm. things we would do and certain things we would make sure as long as we're alive <laughs> and have and any influence on things that we'll do the best we can to do those sort of things. And so a lot of initiatives were born out of that. That's beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. Tina, you, you've mentioned in interviews before that um, when you would go to these events, um, mm -hmm. you would notice things that you would like to do differently. Um, yeah. What are, if you were running your own events now, now that you are running your own events, <laughs> What what are I guess what are some of those those things like when you started running your first events you're like right this has been annoying me for so long I'm finally <laughs> going to do this my way. Well, well, I mean, so for example, and just to be perfectly honest, and all my friends know this too. So I'm I'm a very balanced person. So I can see I saw extremes with the American Liddy Hop Championships, and not that I mean I loved going to both events, whether it was the Ultimate Lindy Hop Showdown or it was American Lindy. I loved both events, went every year, never fail. But there were things like, you know, there were extremes about rules on one side and there was extremes on the other side about no rules. And so for mm -hmm. me, I'm a, being a very balanced person. I'm like, well, can we have a little bit of rules? And maybe, <laughs> you know, so I'm more in, in, in the inside, in the middle. And I felt like there was 
there was that was missing. So so that's why ILHC started. Right. Interesting. Because you're right. They're like I hadn't actually thought of it before, but there they are quite like almost polar opposites between ALHC and yes. ULHS. Yes. And so if you were dancing during that time, you you felt that polar opposite because, you know, uh, you could go to Ultimate Lenny Hop Showdown and Amy Johnson is extremely creative and one of the best minds when it comes to creativity. And, and so her thing was that. And so the, I always told people, you know, you do what you do best and that's what she does, you know, now there, yeah, yeah, so there yeah. may not have been like, you know, there may not have been pens or papers for the judges or whatever, but you know, <laughs> we'll just grab something and we'll write on it. And you know what? It was like my favorite event ever. I loved it. There was no structure whatsoever, but I loved it. And I was a, Jeff, I was a judge like many years thing. there. Yeah, I was a judge many years there. And we would just get in and we didn't, there was no relative placement. It was either three of us or four of us arguing in a room. And we had yeah. to agree or, you know, that's how we picked the winners. And it oh, was- Oh, that is wild. It was fun. And then you go to the other side of the American Lineop Championships. And and so it's it's very rule-based and you can't do this in 33 seconds of this and blah, 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 blah. You know, so for me, being a balanced person, I'm like, okay, I need, I need something in the middle here. And ILHC was born. That um, is true. I just realized, Tina, you would have been, were you judging for the Ultimate Lindy Hop um, Showdown of 2006? I, if I, I missed the first year, so I'm not sure when they were in the mall, which was the first year, that one I missed, but all the other ones I did. So if it was not in a mall, I was judging. <laughs> Right, because that's uh, uh, there's a, a clip from one of the from the fast uh, pump that is uh, at least in Perth or at least within between Jet and I and a, a few of our friends that is just like it's part of the. Oh, that was that? Into. Were they uh, were they like? Did it look like it was in, in like a a school auditorium with a stage? Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I was there. The target floor, the yeah, crazy aerials, the liberation I finals. That, yes. I think one of my favorite things about that clip is like oh. it, instead of seating, there's just a couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, if there was a couch, then that was, then that was, that was, that was, um, that's when they were in the varsity theater. And, and yes, I was judging then too. Yes, I was. Because oh, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that clip was inspirational for, for, it, at least it for me. was fantastic. It was madness. It was just it, like, I want to do that. <laughs> I, I never, I remember standing out on the street corner and it was in an old theater that looked kind of like the Apollo. And it was the mm. first time I actually got the feeling like maybe this is what it felt like to be back at, you know, um, wow. in Harlem, oh, boy. Wow. And it really, you kind of had that, it had that energy, it had that vibe and it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. It really was. It definitely, definitely looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I judged mo all those years at the varsity. And then I think the two years when they moved out of that. Once they moved to New Orleans, I, I didn't anymore. But. That's amazing. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, because like Charlotte says, that's been a, that was literally one of the main reasons why I started dancing was that video clip. So it's it's amazing hearing what it was like behind the scenes. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was chaotic and stressful, but it was I wouldn't change a thing. It was awesome. Ooh. All right, <laughs> shall we get on to some more questions? Do you want to take over the next one, Shah? Yes. This year is going to be the 13th ILHC. Is that right, Tina? That sounds about right. <laughs> okay. 
it's like, it's like age know. after a certain point you just stop counting yeah, I don't know. you have other people count something for you. like that something like that it's in it's in its teens um and every year the videos get just so many views thousands of views and there's it's it's no doubt got an impact on the dance communities um have you ever had a moment for you in the last 13 years that has really stood out and reminded mm. you i guess about the impact of your decisions on the on the fact that you do have such an impact on the global scene um i i think it's it's more for me it's more about what we were talking about earlier and it's not it's not necessarily things that people would see because there there are decisions that we make mostly behind the scenes that I think that have an impact that people may not recognize, okay. such as like, you know, um, starting children's programs that, you know, that wasn't done anywhere or um, starting the museum. Those kind of things were important to me. And um, like I said, some of the promises that I had made the elders about getting um, Black people involved. So there, if you've been to ILHC, one of the things that, that some of us do is we go to the African-American. I took Norma there before she passed and she got to see herself. She's actually in the museum and she got to see herself. And it was just, it's just all these little experiences that, that, that probably happened that nobody necessarily knows about that I think that they mm -hmm. have an impact on people, but they don't know that they have an impact on people. Like, you know, bringing all the elders and making sure that the elders are present. And we have we have culture sessions and LED, LED, our LED talks, those, those kind of things. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like it's, um, it's surprising how much thought goes into things that don't get as much, uh, I don't know, discussion time. Cause I mean, yes. over the years, yes. ILHC has had a few big explosion moments, but um, mm. yeah, it's, it's great to see <laughs> that you've, put so much thought into smaller stuff or not not necessarily small, important things that aren't going to you know they're not as visual by. yeah exactly and not as, I, I, yeah and there's a lot of things that we make decisions about to to not do or not allow or you know um or to allow just that that probably have impact you know um I know one of the big blowups was when the we had the Quinell incident, and yeah. you know, and you know, at the time we were like, okay, well, this could this might end us, but we have to make a stand about certain things, you know. So, and and that's what we did. And some people hated us for it, and some people liked us for it. But either way, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you think is right, no matter what, and what it costs you. Well, it's it's. I'm so glad that someone in your position is taking those decisions like seriously. They're not just like, oh, well, we need to, you know, get people in next year to fill the fill the seats. So we're gonna have to make this decision. You're actually realizing how important yes. it yeah. is. You think yeah. about the ramifications of your impact of your decisions. Um, and yeah. when when you make those decisions, Tina, is it because uh, I'm on uh, at, by no means comparing because the scale is vastly different. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm on um, a couple of committees here in Perth uh, related to swing dancing. I find if the if committees get too large, mm. it's a bit <laughs> like herding cats. Yeah, you you get to a point where no decisions get made because right. everyone is trying to do either trying to do everything, and yeah, it's it just gets a little bit hectic. Yeah. So how, I guess how do you how does ILHC work in that context? Well, we don't. Uh, is it just we like don't a have a core group of you? <laughs> yeah, there. So it started out with um, myself and Sylvia and Nina Gilkinson, 
and I've always been the majority owner. We all kind of agree on things, but if there's something that's final, final, then then I usually have the final say. And and okay. sometimes that <laughs> may go over well, it may not go over well. <laughs> but but I I mean I usually I I pretty much I, I do stand by you know whatever decisions I make. And luckily I've had partners that have always backed me up. Um, now we're expanded a little bit, so I'm trying to prepare for transition. I think any good CEO, <laughs> I'm, I'm 62 years old, and so you know I've got I'm getting a little long in the tooth, as they say in America, and I I've got to think of transition. So we've expanded to um, sort of like a five person ownership model. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm still the majority owner, but uh, Sylvia and I will phase out over the next several years, I think. And then, and then okay. as those people learn more, you know, I think you, you have to think yeah. about continuity and, yeah. and um, so we're already, we have sort of a, a five-year continuity plan and how we can at least keep it running and then bring on new people and then learn mm-hmm. the ropes. And, and so that's what we're, we're in that, that process right now. Listening to Untangling the Mess Around with Charlotte and Jethro, we have an interview, our very first official interview with um, someone of this caliber, Tina Morales Armstrong from ILHC. So I just wanted to give you all a quick reset and a chance to push pause if you wanted to. But uh, we're going to get straight back into it. So I hope you're ready for more of this wonderful conversation. And, uh, what a what an awesome time to start trying to transition owners when ILHC has just been flipped <laughs> on its head completely. Yeah. It's a bit of a poison so, gift you're giving there, Tina. So rude. That? <laughs> <laughs> so last year ILHC moved to completely virtual. Um, I just wanted to know what it was like from your end because I'm assuming. Well, from from my point of view, when you run an event that's similar, so it's the same venue or same bands or same kind of format, there's a lot of stuff already like done. The backbones are already there. You just got to change what you want to change, but it's a lot easier to run. So obviously, you had to change pretty much everything, everything, everything right? Yes. Like everything. Yes, for yeah, it was crazy. It was so out of the twenty something years that I used to say that Frankie ninety five was the hardest thing I've ever done event-wise, ILHC last year, the virtual was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it was absolutely insane because it, it, I mean, we haven't done anything like that. We've never done it. No one has. And then, and then I, you know, sometimes I have crazy ideas and, and I'm like, okay, well, but I really want it to look this way. And I really want it to be this way. And, and so the other, like, <laughs> no, not at all, Charlotte. Shush. And then the other four people uh, are really great about trying to make things happen, you know? <laughs> so, and, and I thought it came out, it, it came out great. As far as I'm concerned, it was, I mean, take the, technology alone was just and like oh it well we need to go buy weird. this we need to go find this oh how are we going to do that how are we going to make these people all all do yeah but i but but this is what i want i want the- 
And how are we going to make uh, that soundwise happen? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm telling you what I want. But I'm telling you someone that can find out. Brett Dollenberg is absolutely, I mean, you know, he, he does video production for a living. So thank God for that. But um, him and his wife were absolutely amazing. But the the amount of work from every every single person on that team, it was, it was, it was, it was something else, something out of did, this world. Did you find yourself? I can't yourself even in a, imagine. Yeah. Did yeah. you find yourself in a position where you had to, you had to expand your team for that just because of the technical skill set required? Um, and, and for some of the technical pieces, yes, yeah, yeah we, we did, but, um, but not necessarily for sort of the core team decision-making. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm with you on that. It, it, it's really hard to, um, when you, the more people you put into a group that have decision-making power, that's, you know, sometimes you just don't have time for that. And, you know, you've got, because yeah. you can um, bog yourself down in in decision making and everybody and okay well let's try this and let's try this no you know yeah this is what and we're gonna you do just need you like I just need a decision it does yeah like, we don't have time yep. we don't have time <laughs> things need to get done <laughs> they gotta get done and we have to have this and we have to have this like this you know mm. so yeah well from our point of view last year's ILHC was absolutely fantastic because Charlotte and I actually got to compete in it which has been something that we've been talking about for what seven, seven years, years. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. it was essentially like a dream come true that we could actually finally compete at ILHC and that was yeah I know it's it was hard for you guys but it, I'm sure a lot of people around the world were able to compete for their first time there purely because it was a, a virtual event so yeah, yeah thank you for yeah. how much work it was like we struggle <laughs> running one hour online dance classes so I don't know how you put on a whole entire weekend online that was yeah. fantastic was effort uh, the beforehand and just all I mean you can't imagine how many videos we got in and we had that not only so before the even the judges saw them we had to review them and had to do things to them and make sure everything was presentable and then review them again and then give them to the judges and then judge and then you know it was it was crazy oh, wow. she must have been so sick of our faces <laughs> <laughs> no but I know but it was was great because like you said we got we got to see people that we've never seen before and so this is and you know we i've been watching a video i'm like well who's that i oh i love them this is great where are they from oh my god they, you know so i i thought that part of it we all i think that was our favorite part of everything was seeing people that we've never seen before that we would love mm. to to see and love for it to be at our competition and and, and it happened that's awesome so how, how many people actually participated? So um, as far as I understand, you have about a thousand or so people at your regular kind of 2019 and before events. Is that about the size, right? Um, um, so anywhere between seven and 800 people that, and not, not, not including staff, I think. Um, we actually had, I think, more people watching the virtual than, than, and more countries. So yay, really, yeah, definitely more countries and more people watching than we've actually had in attendance at ILHC. So it was great. Oh, that's awesome. Got to reach some more people. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I, you know, we're, we're kind of wondering this time, like, you know, well, what, what will happen now? I mean, before I think people were a little bit more locked in and couldn't do much when we're wondering like, okay, well this, and, and, and mind you, we did all of that. And nobody really registered until the day before ILHC. 
Oh, really? We had no idea. That's so stressful. No idea. I I want to say somewhere about six or seven hundred people registered the Friday of ILHC, Thursday and Friday. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. So we're like, okay, well, this will just be another year where we lost tens of thousands of dollars. (laughs) Oh, no. It's it's really interesting. So that trend continues through to the virtual world because, as as I'm sure you know, like any event, you're just like, you're just waiting like that, that fortnight yeah. before, yeah. before the event. You're like, come on, people. Yeah. We knew how many competitors we had, but as far as the viewing audience knew, and, and, and we were absolutely shocked. So, I mean, thrilled, but, but shocked. And yeah, cause I would say the Wednesday, Thursday before the event, we're like, okay, <laughs> well, it looks really great. <laughs> And so how are you going to be running uh, see this year? I know that you're planning on doing um, some in person and some virtual, but you've had to shift things around and make more virtual. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I, I, well, we had to make things more virtual because we weren't sure. I mean, at the time and they, I think they're just getting ready to open back up. You know, it's like, how can you have an international competition and the international people can't come? You know, so yeah, yeah right. So um, <laughs> it's all about the wording. It's all about yeah. <laughs> and 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 actually for ILHC, the majority of our people are are from um, out of the U.S. Um, it's not it's not a a big U.S. event. It's mostly international people that come to our event. Probably, I want to say almost half to three fourths it's something like that oh wow wow yeah so that that's a very big deal and and we didn't know what we could do and so last year we you know our production was spread out all over the place and so we had our videographers and in LA and our MCs were three different locations, one in London, one in Tennessee, and one in, in Michigan. And so you add that complications to that. And I'm here in Houston, and, and because nobody could travel, anybody could go anywhere. So that was another, the logistics of all of that. You know, we had to send equipment overseas and send equipment to different parts so that people could. So yeah, what right. we decided this time is even if we're going to do a smaller event and it be all virtual, the production of it will be on site. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, one, that makes sense. So that's how we're doing that. And then we'll have a small in-person event. We talked to um, Dory Segev, who's, um, which you've probably seen. He's he's done a lot of uh, work um, with them. We talked to him about COVID and what he felt that we, we told him what our plans were and, and what he felt that would be comfortable for us to do. And so we kind of got some approvals and you know, wanted to make sure we talked to healthcare professionals. And so that's what we yeah. came up with. Cause one of the big things that you're doing with this year's event is um, that it is, you can only attend the event if you've been vaccinated. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and we, we, we applaud you. <laughs> we, we very much applaud and support that decision. Um, and so it's, <clears throat> Vaccine passports, um, as I think they, they're sometimes commonly referred to, are, are going to be a, potentially a common requirement in, in the future of not just dance events, but events in general. Um, and it is it's a bit of a, a bit of a touchy issue. 
Um, Because even though Jet and I, you know, are strong supporters of vaccinations, there's vaccine passports sometimes raise a few, I guess, questions and issues Um, or the context of, for example, someone who can't get vaccinated for for whatever medical reasons um, and they would potentially still want to attend. Um, What are the conversations around that like in America at the moment? Well, um, as you know, they, uh, we, well, I don't know, well, maybe you don't know, but um, um, Camp Alley was going to be sort of the first large event that was going to be on, and that was supposed to happen in September, and they kind of canceled last minute. But, but she went through a lot because she was requiring people to be vaccinated, and, and so there was, you know, a lot of pushback from different people, and people threatening to sue and, and things like that. Really? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. U.S. is very litigious, so... Um... It, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Is, is it as... Because we, we see it from the outside, so to speak, and it is it does have a bit of that stereotype of... Um, but is it, is it actually that bad? Um, it is, but it, it, it depends on... So, <laughs> so I run different event, dance events with different groups of people. So I have two very large Lindy Hop events and I have a very large urban dance event and Mm -hmm. they are polar opposites in their belief about, not about vaccinations. People think you should get vaccinated, but um, in the urban dance community, it would, it would be very much frowned upon if you said that made that a requirement. No, no one right. thinks about that. They, they, to them, it's like everybody is an adult. You make your own decision. You wear a mask or yeah. you don't wear a mask. Um, and the Lindy Hop community is quite, quite different where people, the majority of the people are expected, are expecting the vaccinated only event, which I appreciate. So, uh, mm. and, you know, even, mm. you know, I'm over 60 years and so is Sylvia and, um, and we both have underlying conditions. So, you know, we want to be as healthy as po- possible and, protect ourselves and protect other people as well. So we haven't, we haven't had um, very much pushback about that. I think maybe because in the beginning, Hillary took all the heat for that and, and maybe where she's at, there might be a little bit difference where our people are coming from sort of all over, um, Mm -hmm. all over the U S and California and camp Hollywood. That's a, a, a very huge local um, amount of people as well so we, we're not experiencing the same thing that she experienced yeah right and um, what are some of the other changes um that are for for this year's incarnation um well we wanted to make sure that the people that did attend in person um have a little bit different experience and 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 since we weren't be doing competition um, we wanted to kind of give them some a little bit more added value. And so a lot of the, if you come in person, you're actually going to get classes that you won't see on the, the, the virtual um, stream um, and that won't be filmed, but they'll be able to, mm. you know, be in person with them. And um, so and then it's going to be kind of the difference this year. It's going to be more like a party. Um, I, used, oh, yeah. I used to run an event called Swing and Soul in Atlanta. It's probably going to be a little bit more closer to that for the in-person people where, you know, we'll have a big screen where everybody can eat and dance. So for me, if I I look at an event and one of my favorite things in the world is to sit around with my friends, eat good food, watch dance videos and dance a little bit and dance (laughs) with music, dance with soul music. So that's, so it might be along those lines. (laughs) 
for the in-person people. I wish you could too. Um, Jed, do you want to take the next question? Yeah. So just looking um, further ahead, Tina, like I'm trying to, we've had a look at the past and I love the idea of there being um, like fewer events. And so everyone goes to the same events and has a bit more, I don't know, like you were trying to describe before that different energy. And then it's moved into this, like, there's a plethora of events to go to. So every time you go to one, it's huge, it's wild, there's lots of different people and a whole bunch of, like, you know, viral video clips going on. What's it going to look like in, like, 20 or so years? So this is, you know, we've got to take COVID into into consideration, whether or not we can actually fly because of carbon restrictions. How how do you kind of imagine long term? Or if you're not bothered, because now you're handing it over, you can kind of like, oh, their problem. (laughs) Exactly. I that's that's I don't know. I I mean yeah, I'm out in five years. No, uh no, I still plan on being around and I plan on consulting, and that's I mean that's what the group keeps telling me that I have to stay around to consult. <laughs> um, and and so I, I actually plan on doing for me, that's what I plan on doing is probably doing a lot of consulting for okay. events mm-hmm. and things like that. But um 20 years. I don't know. I think I think it changes all the time because people say things, you know, kind of look, I'm like, no, it really does change. And the, and even the top people change every five years. Yeah. And if you kind of look at it, you know, I, I think that I, I think that a lot of the bigger events, it's going to be really hard to maintain for the next yeah. couple of years. And so I, I'm just hoping that they make it. And and I'm including myself in there too, <laughs> because it is it is an extreme challenge. It's a very big difference, and I've run events of all different sizes. But anything when you get 500 above is a whole nother beast and animal, and it's extremely mm-hmm. difficult to do and strength extremely difficult to maintain long term. I mean, if you just think about like you know where harangue is and where a lot of some of the large events like you know you can't you can't just not have it for three to five years and expect it one to be the same or for it to even be there. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I I think that long term, if we don't start back dancing and going to events rather soon, it will be even more disjointed with even more smaller type things because that's the the larger ones will be gone. And it takes a while to even when you start an event to kind of develop it to that that level where it's, you know, 500 plus. So you may not see that. So if we lose a lot of the big ones, it, it may take up until 10 years to get to the place where you'd see those again. And so. would you imagine those? So we had a, a bit of an interesting time in Perth where we literally had, I think, 11 uh, like events over an entire year in just one city. Like we all the different schools were hiring instructors to come in at different points in time and not really communicating. 11 events with international instructors is it, what he means as well. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. And it just, it was just, it blew everything out of the water. No one could get enough people to come to events because no one could afford to go to 11 pr- workshops in, in one year. And it just reached wow. this like threshold where it was just, there was just too much. And so yeah. the next year, everything just collapsed and there's hardly anything again. And it kind of, it just slowly rebuilt. <laughs> and yeah. it was, it was kind of, I almost saw it happening from the inside. There's just no communication between the schools, which is frustrating mm. being there. 
And so what's yeah. happened in New Zealand is we actually had a bit of a, a, a chat uh, between like Christchurch and Wellington and Dunedin and, and my scene here in Nelson to figure out, is it possible to, rather than just like everyone keep going until it collapses, to only have like one big event in New Zealand a year that everyone travels to, rather than having to try to make people travel five <clears> times in a year, we have one event that just gets yeah. shared between Wellington and Christchurch and Auckland. Like it just flip flops back and forth between different scenes. So we're not trying to yeah. sustain lots of big events. We still get a really big event, yeah. but it doesn't have that risk of collapsing on itself. Is there any discussions yeah. like that in, in your kind of, in America? No, because everything here is so spread out. And, yeah. and we did um, a while back when, when I first started doing events here in Houston. So there, you know, there's really kind of like only one game in town and we had a large event, but uh, two hours away, which sounds like really far to everyone else. But in Texas, that's, you know, kind of down the street. Down the road, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they would have, they have a big street scene in Austin and they had an event. And in Dallas, they had a big scene and they have an event. And we did communicate with each other. We had an agreement that you you wouldn't have an event within two to three months of another event. Yeah. And, and 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 as long as we kept those agreements, everybody survived. You know, okay. you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I think eleven in one location—that's just that's that's way over the top. But yeah. I I know. In, um, in the urban scenes, what they do in some communities is exactly what you're talking about. Like, so they have a host city and yeah. that and it's, it's branded as, you know, X, uh, X swing dance event. And then they have it in a host city and then that, then it moves to the other house. And then that, that host city like the is in charge of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And they're and they're in charge of getting the local people involved and people from their club and they you know there there's certain things that have to be done in a certain way and so and and then that and then it moves to the next city and then everybody benefits and then everybody supports that other scene. Yeah, see, I don't, I can't figure out why. I mean, I suppose America is much more spread out. Like it's way bigger than New Zealand. You can't even compare. So, yeah, well, I don't you know. can compare it a little bit more to this to Australia. Yeah, I wonder if we could get Australia to talk to each other a bit more and just have... Yeah, no. no yeah. <laughs> the problem comes in when, like you said, if you've got 11 different scenes and 11 different, that's 11 different groups that have input and I can't yeah. see but that's that. Only can't in see that, that ever working. Yeah, that is only in Perth, like what Joe oh, was geez. referring to. That was well, the good problem is that yeah. you've got 11 scenes. I mean, some people don't have that problem, but the bad problem is trying that, that organization. Like I, I couldn't even yeah. imagine that, nor would I want to. <laughs> so. No, yeah. it's, 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 it's an adventure to say the least. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, so I don't know, you know. So yeah. <laughs> no, no offense to anybody in there. I don't I have no, no, no idea. Don't worry, but, don't worry. Yeah. No, no one. It's all right, Tina. We didn't tell you this before, but nobody really listens to our podcast. So offending anyone. Are pretty slim to none. <laughs> it's like the ideal podcast where you can vent everything better. that you've always wanted to say because there's no audience. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, in that case, no. <laughs> well, in that case, I have some names. <laughs> well, that's that's what I, I I threaten them all the time about when I retire. That's why I said I want to retire so I can just sit back and I've got to just say exactly what I think for once. <laughs> you guys just get ready because so it's gonna be. When's it's gonna your be memoir coming out? 
I would do that. It's going to be a doozer. It would probably shock everybody. (laughs) That would be a good You heard it here first on Entangling. Tina Morales Armstrong memoir. Yeah. When I retire, Charlotte and Jet, you just come sit right next to me because I'm going to have a lot to say at every event. I'll get a microphone (laughs) out and just record it all. Yes, done. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. Um, Is there. Jet, is there anything else that you wanted to ask? No, no, that's all the questions I can think of. Is there anything you wanted to mm. um, add on to anything there, Tina? What about um, ILHC? Yeah. How do people register for ILHC? Why should they go online and buy these tickets for these amazing competitions and workshops and things? <laughs> well, one, because it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. And two, support us and support Lenny Hop and support ILHC <laughs> if you would like to see it continue. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's going to be a good time. I, I I if they enjoyed last time, this is going to be good too. And so this time, I think a little bit different. We'll also have people in the class. That was that, that was one thing I was kind of insisting on is having people in the class so that the virtual audience gets a different sort of experience. You know, mm, so yeah. one that and it will be like like you're actually in the class. You know, from the camera's point of view. That's then that's how yeah. we want to do it a little bit different. Do you have someone so, like, like, holding the camera and then like rotating to different partners around the room? No, not the partners, oh. but actually like when, <laughs> but actually when somebody's like talking or whether somebody's asking a question in a class so that you're actually getting the experience of being the student in the class. Awesome. If you do want to register to ILHC, um, to our, our four listeners, uh, just head to uh, ILHC.com. It's a pretty easy uh, website yeah, to remember. Please do, all four of you. <laughs> all four of you. Like, every ticket counts. And don't wait till the day before. Oh, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. It's so stressful. I wish people would understand from an events organizer's perspective how stressful that is. Because you literally, you don't know. Yeah. It's hard to plan. Yeah. It's timing everything. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, Tina, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat to you. It was far less terrifying than I thought it was going to be. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Jeb was so scared. Like he was so, I think he was a little bit mad at me when I actually emailed you, Tina. He's like, you did what? <laughs> Look, the worst that could happen is that she says no. He's like, no, the worst that could happen is that she says yes. <laughs> You know, what's so weird is I think that people, because it's ILHC, I mean, the people that know me know me, they're like, oh, no, you know, but, but, but I think people have this perception of me and I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) like, that's it. We're all just people. It's yeah. not that I was, okay, uh, I feel like I need to defend myself here. I think I was more intimidated by <laughs> how professional ILHC looks and feels. And I know oh. our podcast is not. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was almost exactly. embarrassed about our lack of professionalism. No. Oh, so that, no. That's where no, I was no, going to no. getting at. No, no, not at all. Not at all. No. no this has been good. I, and I like I like talking to people. And I, for me, I can't get up. And if you were to ask me to get up in front of a room full of people, I'd be like, uh, uh. But just like this, talking to two people, that's that's cool. Awesome. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. Tina, we're going to let you get back to your life. Thank you so okay, much. All right. Um, thank you. And you guys uh, yeah, take care and all the best. All right. Same to you. Bye-bye.
Jeez, and that was our first ever interview on this podcast. How well did that go? I think it went quite well. I Well, to be fair, our first ever interview on this podcast, this is the first incarnation of this podcast. So it's... Yeah, this yes. version of it, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it went very well. Uh, Tina is absolutely lovely. And um, she really had some wonderful insight to the, the early days, I guess, of the scene. And and how yeah everything was just a little bit messier, but everyone I think was a little bit happier for it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, American Lindy Hop Championships weren't messier. Like they are obviously much more strict, and they had no yeah. rule focus. But you're right, the Ultimate Lindy Hop Showdown, no rules. That just looked absolutely wild. And yeah, it was awesome seeing an insight into what that was like, and mm. then that difference in in the less events how much better that was for the scene to compare yeah it now I, and... I i was really interested and i think that's a that's a topic for a bigger uh that's a bigger topic for a future conversation of i because on, on a micro scale you've got that here in perth right in the sense of instead of having uh, you, you've got all of these schools and everyone is sort of competing for attention and yada 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 um, but back in the day when there was just one school and there was just one event every once in a while, everyone went to that event and you didn't care who ran it or who you just went to the event because it was dancing. Um, yeah, and saturated. Exactly. And I sort of, I, I wonder in this new day and age of, uh, the future of swing dancing events, uh, the importance and the role that smaller community, community events will have and the importance of those community events and how we can all just sort of support each other and not give a crap about, Oh, but it's this school. Oh, but it, you know, it's this band. Who cares? Just go and have fun and stop being a twat. And people aren't trying to just, you know, like outdo uh, each other. Focus on growth models. No yeah. growth models, like trying to figure out how they can get more people in and more events and more dancing and mm. expanding is going to cause too many events and too much saturation. So yeah. Take a and, look at different models. Yeah. But anyways, uh, a whole bunch of stuff uh, other than that discussed in this interview, which was, um, she's quite easy to talk to as well. Yeah, uh, I, I, awesome. Yeah. So anyways, you guys should all go and get your tickets to ILHC because we need to support virtual events because I think just like with anything new, it's, uh, it's sometimes in the beginning, it can be a bit clunky, but it's by supporting these kinds of events that we show our support but also we give people the tools to be able to create new and better ones in the future and you know the way the future is going not to be a bit of a sourpuss but the way the future is going if we want to see those international teachers we are going to have to rely on virtual events so we might as well give them the tools to improve them now <laughs> so that everything is streamlined in the future <laughs> awesome all right well let's leave it there thank you very much charlotte thank you jethro and remember everyone keep it weird <laughs>